Okay, everybody, welcome to episode 18 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, and with episode 18 comes a little bit of a change, as we talked about last week. Brother Sean is on his honeymoon. Congrats to him for getting married on Saturday. Luckily, we have a third Bomber brother in the family. The youngest Chichester, Kyle Chichester, is here with us, and we also are bringing in one of our bigger guests since we started this podcast, Brian Hoke. Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com will be joining us to talk about all the free agency rumors swirling around Yankees universe right now. But first, Kyle, your debut on the podcast. Welcome, and we're uh, glad to have you here. And um, just to start it off, last week, me and Sean broke down a kind of a top 10 of Yankee games that we wish we were at in Yankees history. So just so the listeners can get to know you, why don't you give us, A, your favorite Yankee of all time, and B, if you could have been at one Yankee game, which one would you have picked? Well, the favorite Yankee of all time has to be Pettit. He was my favorite back back in the day, in the dynasty years, and still probably my favorite looking back now, the big game pitcher. And anytime you ask about any game you wish you could have been out. I think the obvious choice is the Boone game in 2003. Just not even just the home run, just the whole the eighth inning rally to tie the game after it was looking not, not too good just a, a little bit earlier. That probably would be my number one choice. Or if not that, probably the um, game five against the Diamondbacks in 2001, just to see Brocious tie the game. And it, the same thing happened the night before, but just to see it happen again is definitely uh, definitely one I would have wanted to go to. Oh, all all solid picks. Me and you both picked the Boone game. Sean had a, a different one. He picked game six of the 96 World Series, but I also remember watching that game five of the 01 World Series with you at our grandpa's house because we wanted to be able to stay up late, so we had to go to our grandpa's house to be allowed to do it. And we were almost falling asleep come the ninth inning because the Yankees' offense was just completely shut down that night until that Brocious home run off young, young Kim. So that was uh, definitely a memorable moment that uh, we shared in our time growing up together as Yankees fans. And I love the Pettit pick, one that might actually wind up helping the Yankees in the modern day because you look at a guy like Patrick Corbin, who's one of the Yankees' most coveted free agents right now he grew up in upstate new york and was a huge andy pettit fan growing up so who knows maybe your favorite player can uh wind up helping the yankees here in the future i definitely want to see it the main main thing this offseason i do want to see is the yankees go after more pitching and i know machado was out there and harper was too until recently when they ruled him out but i definitely would want to see them go after pitching first especially after you look at last season and the, going back to 2017, there were two games. Our ace was on the mound in the playoff game, Severino, and he didn't just didn't have it at all in two of the games, the one against Boston and then the wild card game against um, the Twins. So if you can go out and get someone like Corbin or even a real ace like Kluber, it definitely makes you feel a lot more comfortable going into not just a wild card game but a five-game series. Yeah, good point. And those and Kluber might also be a guy available as we learned a lot of surprising new turns of events in, in the baseball world this week. The Indians are looking to possibly unload a bunch of their top tier talent and Kluber among them. And you have the Mariners now who are talking about going through a massive rebuild. So James Paxson could become available. Those are all names that we brought up with Brian Hoke in the interview and he'll give his take 
on what the Yankees' chances are of adding one of those top-tier arms, and he'll also address the possibility if the Yankees really are out on Bryce Harper because, like Bryce Harper's agent Scott Boris said, this is kind of how the Yankees played the Mark Teixeira angle back in 2009 before they swooped in and grabbed him. So are the Yankees really out on Harper? We'll have to see. The report is that they are. But those are all things that we'll cover with Brian Hoke here in a little bit. But first, we need to touch on some more immediate news. One good, one bad. The good we'll start with, CC Sabathia back with the Yankees. One year, $8 million, And that will be his last year, according to him. And then you have Gary Sanchez in what is another sudden, unexpected, oh-by-the-way surgery that has to go down. First it was Gregorius with the Tommy John surgery that nobody saw coming, and now you find out that, well, Gary Sanchez has had a left shoulder problem since 2017, and he is uh, working out in Tampa right now. It was still bothering him, so he told the Yankees about it, and they think he needs a surgical cleanup of that left shoulder, and he's going to be out three months. Expected to be back for opening day, but Kyle, how shocked are you that the Yankees you know, have to go, have to put Gary Sanchez under the knife. And, and for you, does it kind of ease your worries about Sanchez last year and kind of makes you realize, okay, maybe that had something to do with his prolonged slump at the plate in 2018? Yeah, well, the good part of it is I think they said the time they'd expect him to be ready by is only three months. So he should easily be ready for opening day. And like you said, if you even look at someone like Didi, in game four, I was at the game against Boston, and you can tell just watching him, he threw a couple of balls to first base that were wild, and it just made you think right there that he might be injured, and he did turn out to be injured. And that could be exactly what happened with Sanchez. If the injury really was lingering for that long, over a year from now, um, now's the time to do it. If it's only going to be three months, you can get it done now, and he'll be ready in time for spring training. Yeah, and of course you're going to have some of the uh, less than intelligent folks on Twitter who are already saying that maybe this is another cover-up of Sanchez's struggles and how desperately the organization's trying to protect Sanchez. But hopefully these idiotic narratives that some fans are trying to uh, to spin here surrounding Gary Sanchez can be put to rest. I mean, I think a clear fact is he wasn't himself this year. Some of it was because of groin injuries. Some of it was because he just wasn't seeing the ball as well. And some of it was probably because of this lingering left shoulder injury. That's Sanchez's lead shoulder as a right-handed hitter. So that obviously had to have some kind of effect on his swing. You know, Watching him in 2016 and 2017, Yankee fans know the type of caliber hitter he is at the plate among the best offensive catchers in baseball so while this is while this is some tough news for Yankees fans to swallow maybe there can also be a little bit of a you know assurance that perhaps the struggles by Sanchez last year were not so mysterious and that there's actually something else medically behind it yeah definitely we saw everything he could do in like you said in 2016 when it felt like he hit a home run about every day in August. And, um, yeah, just going forward, like I said, it's probably a good thing to get it done now because we already know what he could do when he's healthy. So a lot of the struggles this season probably did have something to do with the injury. And um, even going all the way into the playoffs, he missed being the, the hero of the whole season by about four feet in that ninth inning when he was facing Kluber. So this Sanchez news, does it, 
you know, maybe change if, if you're Brian Cashman, does it change your plans in the offseason? Do you look for some kind of catching insurance or does three months seem like more than enough time for Sanchez to recover? It is his non-throwing shoulder. It does seem like it's a surgical cleanup procedure. So three months from now puts you at about early February, you know, almost right before pitchers and catchers are supposed to report to spring training. So it seems like the timetable is there. But do you look at some possible catching depth outside of Romine and Higashioka? I I wouldn't just because, like you said, he's going to be ready in time for spring training, or at least he's expected to be. And um, Romine, we know he's a good defensive catcher. Not great with the bat, but he's a serviceable backup to have. And um, like we said, Sanchez should be ready. And even if he's not, at least Romine's at least a decent backup to have behind him until Sanchez is a hundred percent healthy. All right, so now we get to the good news, and CC Sabathia is coming back. He's staying in pinstripes where he's been since two thousand nine, the longest, one of the longest tenured Yankees outside of Brett Gardner. So now the two longest tenured Yankees are back in pinstripes after Gardner was brought back on a one-year deal last week. So what are your initial reactions to Sabathia returning for a year? Some are kind of concerned about his health with his knee. Some are concerned about you know, a slight drop-off in production in, in the second half this year. So you know, how are you feeling about Sabathia being back in the rotation? I'm definitely happy about it, not just because of on the field and stats and everything like that, but he's just a good leader to have on the team. Everyone knows he's a great teammate. I don't think anyone on the team has ever said anything different than that. And um, just if you look, I think like you said his production was down in the second half of last season. But go, going into this season, he's not going to be asked to do that much because we have the probably the best and deepest bullpen in the MLB. So if he goes out and pitches, we're not even going to ask him to go six innings. If he throws out and throws four or five decent innings, that's all he really is asked to do. And it's not like he's asked to be the ace or the number two of the staff. If the Yankees do go out and sign a couple of people like Corbin or even a Kluber, CC will be the fifth starter. And that's really all he's going to be asked to do is go out, throw his four or five innings every day, assuming Boone doesn't leave him in to throw 125. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then after that, you turn it over to the bullpen and go from there. No, that's that's a good point. Sabathia, you, you see the numbers the third time through the order. Any pitcher's numbers the third time through the order are bad, but CeCe's significant drop-off in production definitely should leave Boone to put a hard cap on, on CeCe, maybe five innings max, maybe even four innings with the way baseball is played nowadays with um, how much the bullpens are utilized, and that's one of the Yankees' greatest strengths. But, you know, the to the point of the second half, decline in production the era was was up a little bit but the you know the weighted oba against in terms of opponent opposing hitters was actually lower in the second half than it was in in the first half so maybe there were some other you know you could have just had some some bad breaks some balls drop in here and there which uh, affected his era his his era and his second half era in 2017 was actually better than it was in the first half and then of course we saw how he performed in the playoffs in 2017 so you know, and, and yeah, he's just he's a he's a big game pitcher. Even you know he didn't have his best start against Boston in Game Four, um, just about a month ago. But he's a big anytime we're in a big game and he's he's going out there on the mound. Just he's just one of those pitchers you just trust to find a way to scratch and claw his way to a good a good start. Yeah, everyone everybody in the clubhouse loves him. I I think I honestly just think that this was 
kind of already known to happen. I mean, you saw the Astros and the A's had some interest in him. Maybe Oakland was a threat because that's where CC is from, and maybe he wanted to go back to the West Coast. But I think in the end, as we saw on Twitter after the signing happened, he had gone to Cashman right after the ALDS and said, next year is my last year. I want it to be here. I want to retire a Yankee. And I think Cashman felt the same way, and they just – had to get the particulars taken care of in one year, $8 million for a fifth starter who possibly could fall into an even lesser role down the road this season because what many people forget, Jordan Montgomery could potentially pitch again in 2019 after undergoing Tommy John surgery. We'll have to see, but you know, e- even if he can, that, that makes the signing of CC even more important. Yeah, it's definitely one of those signings that it just can't hurt. It, you know, He's not going to go out there and you know, go go back to be, being an ace the way he used to be, but it's definite definitely something that can't hurt the team. And then you also have you know on the negative side, which some people uh, I I can't imagine bringing back CC is is a negative thing. All you have to do is drain his knee once a year, and he's usually fine. I mean, he had a three six five ERA last year. That was his best since twenty twelve when he was an all star, but. There are some people who are concerned that bringing back guys like Gardner and CC, even though they're, you know, Yankee staples and clubhouse guys, that that might prevent the Yankees from spending big money. But in reality, these two contracts combined is fifteen and a half million dollars. After the Yankees just reset their luxury tax penalties, and they're actually towards the middle of the pack in terms of payroll heading into this offseason. I hardly think $15.5 million is going to affect that. And we've already heard Cashman say that he wants to bring in multiple pitchers. So Corbin is obviously out there. You have these potential trade chips in, in Kluber and Paxton. But another guy that people are forgetting is Jay Happ, former Yankee, who did great down the stretch in the second half of the season after he was acquired. Uh, at the trade deadline of course his one hiccup was at the most costly time in game one of the ALDS but if you're Brian Cashman are you maybe looking at bringing Hap back as well and adding another lefty to the rotation I definitely wouldn't mind Hap um but like I said I I do wish they could now that this is the year they've kind of been planning for for a long time the offseason they've been waiting for I, I would want to see them go out and get an ace maybe someone like Kluber and um even though I know Kluber's 32 now, but um, he's still solid. He he's still up to his last two years were two of his best years he's had. Um, Hap is definitely someone I wouldn't mind keeping around. Like you said, he was probably our best pitcher for a while down the stretch when Severino started to struggle in um, August and September. Hap was our most reliable pitcher, and there was a time where a lot of people actually thought Hap should be the starter in the wild card game if if we got there. And um, obviously he wasn't, but for that two months, Hap was probably the most solid pitcher on the staff. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, his success against the Red Sox game, one of the ALDS notwithstanding, is another area that, you know, piques your interest in terms of Hap. So that's another thing for Cashman to consider. And then you look at the bullpen. You have Britton and David Robertson, both, both free agents. David Robertson has got rid of his agent he's he's flying solo in terms of his next contract do you think that bodes well for the Yankees is David Robertson going to be in pinstripes next year I definitely hope he is he is probably the person I trust most in the bullpen now green uh regressed a little bit going from 2017 to 2018 uh he was probably our best pitcher out of the bullpen in 2017 he took a little bit of a step back 
and um, Chapman is Chapman. He's he's going to get you safe most of the time, but he's going to put you through hell getting there. He's going to put runners at the corners. Robertson, other than giving up a few um, home runs at some bad times, probably is the most trusted person in the out of the bullpen right now. And um, I definitely would want to see him back in pinstripes for 2019. And I and I think that's where we're heading. I don't see Robertson getting rid of his agent if he's getting ready to engage in contract negotiations elsewhere in places that he hasn't dealt with the front office. He's familiar with the Yankees, so I'm sure that's probably the direction they're heading. And another interesting note that uh, just came on Twitter about an hour ago is that the Yankees requested the medical reports on former Yankee Andrew Miller. And, you know, that's probably just them doing their due diligence and checking in on on players. But um, Miller, former Yankee, had great success with that combination of Batances and Chapman. What are your thoughts on bringing back a guy like Miller, who now a couple years older is, you know, seeing some drop in production? A lot of that might be related to health concerns, but would you want to see Miller back in pinstripes? Miller's someone I don't think we probably would need. Just like I said before, the Yankees do have the best and deepest bullpen in the MLB, and um, and we're just in need of a lot of starting pitching. And I know I don't. Um, if we were going to look at anyone from Cleveland, obviously the obvious choices are Kluber and Carrasco. And I wouldn't want to get an aging pitcher to come out of the bullpen when we already have a couple of the best relievers in the game with Britton Green and hopefully Robertson and then Chapman as the closer. Um, if I was going to look at any of them, like I said, Kluber would be the one from Cleveland that I would want to go after the most, if not Carrasco. I would agree. Uh, the age doesn't scare me for Kluber. I know he's 32, but he has been incredible the last few years. He is His routine is robotic. They call him Klubot for a reason. And you, know, you, you just think back to one of the last times the Yankees shied away from a pitcher um, – via trade because of age concerns and price concerns was Justin Verlander. And they that's a pitcher the Yankees absolutely could have had it in 2017. And, you know, had they pulled the trigger on that, you could make the argument that the Yankees just got done celebrating their second straight World Series. And, I mean, they absolutely would have had a clear path in 2017, especially, I mean, you look at that seven-game series against Houston, you put Verlander in the Yankees rotation it's and over. take them away from Houston. Exactly. That's that, that looks more like a five game series that the Yankees win easily, but unfortunately the Yankees decided to go conservative. Maybe that will teach them a lesson and, and they go and they really go for it. And you know, that brings me to, to my next point. You, you hear that, you hear that Hal Steinbrenner is quote unquote pissed off about, about the Red Sox celebrating. And, and, you know, a lot of people think that maybe the Red Sox, winning the World Series maybe motivates them to spend a little more money. Is that something that you buy, that your rival winning the World Series is something that drives a team to spend more money and really go for it the next year? Or is that something that should be the mindset every year? If it's George Steinbrenner, I definitely buy it. With how you don't know for sure. I, it, I definitely think that's something that should drive any team to try to go out and spend. And especially, like, you brought up Kluber's age. He's 32 First, he's coming off a 20-win season. So, like, I agree with you. The age, to me, doesn't really concern me. He had a 2.89 ERA last season. And, I mean, to have him start a wild card game or a game one in a series, I, I don't see how that, that can hurt. And people – obviously, no one wants to go out and sign 
like Yankees used to do and sign the big name 30, 35 year old free agents and overpay. But it's not going to hurt to get a veteran because people keep talking about how young the Yankees are and how the the window, they have a big window, the big time period, they're going to have a chance to win the world series. I don't really agree with that because it, it works out now while a lot of the younger players aren't getting paid what they're going to have to be paid in a couple of years when their contracts come up. So the window might not be as big as people think. So I, I do think they should go out and spend, like you said, look at what the Red Sox did and they have to realize this, you have to try to win now. Yep, that's that's absolutely right. And as Ken Rosenthal uh, noted it in an article in the Athletic yesterday, the Yankees, out of all the contending teams, they probably are in the best shape in terms of the next few years, in terms of their youth and payroll flexibility. But like you said, a window is something that needs to be capitalized on right away because you never know what's going to happen down the road. You you know, God forbid injuries. You're you're seeing that you know, somewhat affect the team already. And that becomes an issue or any other kind of unexpected obstacles like a team, a historic season by your division rival gets in the way of, of you winning a world series like the Red Sox did this year. So, you know, for, for capitalizing on a window, the time is always now because it can close in a hurry before you even know what's coming. And for the Yankees to capitalize on that window, they're going to have to chase down some of these big-name free agents, whether it be Corbin or Harper or Machado or going after a guy like Kluber in a trade. And and these are all names that we brought up with Brian Hoke, the Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com, and we're going to play that interview for you right now. So here is Brian Hoke on all the latest Yankees free agent rumors you know who he's feeling might be coming to New York. Who he's not. Who he thinks the Yankees might shy away from. Maybe um, an under the radar free agent signing the Yankees might make, and so much more. So here's Brian. Hull. All right, we are joined by Brian Hoke. He is the Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com and also wrote uh, The Baby Bombers, a great book that every Yankee fan should pick up. Brian, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us before the craziness of free agency kicks in. Of course. Thank you very much for that introduction. I appreciate that. No problem. So we've got some news right away, some recent news. The Yankees bring back CC Sabathia. Not too much of a surprise, one year, $8 million. And something I find interesting, seeing a lot in terms of comments on social media mainly, are people um, a little worried that the signing of guys like CC and Brett Gardner are, are going to affect the Yankees in terms of their payroll. Do you really see a combined $15.5 million given to the two of them affecting the Yankees in terms of going after bigger names in free agency? Well, I know that the names you're talking about are guys like a Patrick Corbin or a Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. And I'll put it to you this way. If, if there's a chance for the Yankees to land one of those guys and they want to land those guys, that $15 million is not going to make a whole lot of difference. So both those guys wanted to come back. They've been good Yankees for a long time. Uh, they're at reasonable prices. They took pay cuts to come back. They're on one-year contracts. So, no, I don't think that's a, a roadblock toward um, – getting one of those big guys i think if anything it's an insurance policy in case 
you don't get them, and then you can lean a little bit on Guardy or, or CC. I think you saw last year what CC could do. Um, you're not counting on him for 200 innings anymore. If you get 140 kind of league average innings, that's pretty good for $8 million. And if he can be anything close to the guy he was last year, then that's just a bonus there. And um, as for Guardy, I know they uh, they wanted to back off him a little bit. They probably played him too much last year. Um, they had to, considering Judge was hurt and Stanton was dealing with a, uh, a hamstring injury. But if you can make Guardy more of a part-time player, um, you know he could he could definitely play an above-average left field for you. Uh, maybe you DH him here and there. I, I can't really see a scenario where that would happen, but uh, certainly a part-time left fielder. Uh, I think uh, that left-handed bat, and he's a good presence in the clubhouse. For what they're paying him, $7.5 million plus the $2 million buyout, which was going to have to go to him anyway, I, I think they're in, they're in good shape having both those guys on board. And then, uh, But you have to get more. Yeah, You can't just do that and call it an offseason, and I'm sure Brian Cashman is working hard on that. So Cashman has said ahead of the GM meetings that he wanted to add multiple pitchers, so CC being one of them. In, in terms of a second, you know, Corbin is, is a name being thrown out a lot. Do you see Corbin being um, a likely target for Cashman, or is maybe bringing a guy like Jay Happ back more likely? I think Corbin, you shoot for the stars. I mean, this guy makes a lot of sense for the Yankees. He's 29. He doesn't have a whole lot of miles on that left arm. You know, he's got that electric slider, struck out a ton of guys last year in Arizona. And this is a guy who, that arm should be fresh. There's not a whole lot of injury risk. Um, you know, just learning a little bit about Patrick Corbin, he didn't even start playing baseball until his junior year of high school. So it was kind of a late bloomer, I guess, or, or a natural at it, so to speak. And uh, just a really interesting case. I don't think it hurts that he grew up a Yankee fan in upstate New York. Uh, this kid idolized Andy Pettit, had a signed jersey on his wall. So I think that it's a challenge he would probably want to embrace. I, I'm sure that he's dreamed of pitching for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium and wearing those pinstripes. And you know, these are all things the Yankees are well aware of, um, the fact that we're talking about him right now. So I, I think that Corbin has to be at the top of their list. And uh, Jay Happ did everything right um, after coming over last season. I think that if the price is right, you're looking at a guy who maybe gets a one-year or two-year commitment. Um, he, coming over from the Jays last year, you take away the one start in the American League Division Series, and everything else he did, the whole body of work was very, very solid and encouraging. It, it, a lot of times there's guys who come to the Yankees and it feels like they've been there for 10 years already. Um, I, I think that last year they had one of those guys and um, – Jeez, man, I am spacing on the name. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's embarrassing. Um, who was it? Maybe it was Neil Walker. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I, hopefully you can splice that together and make me sound uh, somewhat coherent. But uh, to, to sum up, Jay Happ came over last year, and uh, it really felt like he'd been there for a long time. Um, yeah, it just felt like things were completely right and the name i was thinking of by the way todd frazier so there it is i forgot about the todd father already there you go <laughs> so another yankee that the team needs to consider bringing back is is david robertson he, he recently decided to start representing himself as part of what has been a lot of craziness going on in terms of agencies and players that are represented by certain agents but what are the chances that robertson is back in a yankee uniform next year 
think they're really good. I, I think that the fact that he's representing himself, that almost suggests to me that he's got something worked out with the organization. And much like a Gardner and Sabathia, that he can fit right in that role. And um, he has probably made it clear that he'd like to stay and like to come back. I mean, this is a team that drafted him. He came up through the system. Didn't really want to leave. Got the, thrown a bunch of money by the White Sox and had to go and, uh, and pursue that opportunity. But from what I understand, he didn't really love his time in Chicago. And um, seems by all indications to have enjoyed his return. So I can't see why he would want to go elsewhere. Um, I, I think that he'll test that market and see what else is out there for him. But uh, I, I would certainly expect that Dave Robertson is going to give the Yankees a crack to match whatever offer he can go find out there on the open market. I, I think it's fascinating that he's choosing to represent himself. But when you think about it, and you're probably paying these agents a sizable percentage of what you'd be getting, even if, say, he's not negotiating the best possible contract every down to every dollar. Uh, the money he's saving by not paying an agent, you probably break close to even anyway. And and in terms of money, that's a good segue. The that's a huge topic for the Yankees this offseason and it was a huge topic last season in terms of the luxury tax. You you heard Cashman say earlier this week that he believes the Yankees can win and quote do it in a cost effective manner are are you are you buying that the Yankees might you know have that luxury tax narrative hanging over their heads again this year even after going through the work to reset their penalties or could we see another mass spending spree like they had prior to the 2014 season I think Cash is laying the groundwork for the possibility that they could have it, but I think he's also got the green light to exceed it if uh, for the right players. And obviously, everything goes in, across Hal Steinbrenner's desk, and they're not going to go sign a Machado or a Harper without Hal knowing about it. Um, that's just not the way things work. But I, I think that last year it was a mandate from the top to stay under 189. This year, I think there's some wiggle room there. And you know, it's it's funny he's used that term a few times during the GM meetings here, almost to kind of drill it into people's head about the, a, winning a championship in a cost-effective manner. And, uh, you know, I, I think that obviously that is one of their marching orders. I, I think he's making that clear and leaving those breadcrumbs. But I, I think that for the right player, they can blow past that. I believe it's 208 uh, for this year coming up, 207, 208. And I, I think that... Uh, the reason to reset that tax, they've talked about they didn't want to keep lining the pockets of the other teams, but the, the penalty rate will go down. So even if they do blow past it for a Harper or Machado or whoever, um, it, it's going to be in the 20s and not the 50% that they were paying. So you're, you're paying less of a penalty anyway. I, I think Hal Steinbrenner is really good about recognizing that he does not want to play in a third straight AL wildcard game. And if the way to do that is to make sure payroll goes high, uh, much higher than last year, I think they're going to do that. So you just mentioned the names Harper and Machado. They're obviously the two biggest names out there right now. Superstar free agents, neither of them more than 26 years old. So Harper's agent just recently saying how he believes Harper can play first base. He also just turned uh, reportedly turned down a $300 million deal. You have all the issues with Machado and the Johnny Hustle quote and all that, You know, bearing in mind that he tore up the American League East when he was with the Orioles. So... You, you also the Yankees were also reportedly out on Harper a couple days ago. You know, gut feeling. Do you think that they wind up with either one of these two? Quote, you know, the big fish of the free agent class this year. You know, gut feeling. Gut feeling. 
feeling is nothing's going to surprise me anymore. I, I felt like last year, and I learned my lesson with Giancarlo Stanton. I didn't think there was any way he was going to wind up in Yankee pinstripes. Not with that contract, not the fact that no trade clause, et cetera, et cetera. I, I figured for sure he was going to wind up with the Dodgers or somebody like that. And, uh, you know, you look up and here, here you go, number 27 out there. So I, I think that... Um, they're the Yankees. They can. They should always be considered in play until uh, there's a press conference somewhere else. I, I still think, as of this day, it's more likely they'll get Machado than Harper, just based on the need. Um, you know, with Didi Gregorius going down, that's an easy parallel to, to draw there. And, um, you, know, you could always slide Machado over to third base once uh, Didi comes back, if he comes back healthy in 20, uh, 2019. So I, I think that um, I won't be shocked if they get both those guys, I won't be shocked if they come away with one of them, and I won't be shocked if they get neither. Was that a, was that a good way of dodging your question? Very good. Very well done. Cashman <laughs> would be proud. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, sort of an unexpected turn this offseason. You have the Indians and Mariners who are both looking to maybe unload some of their top-tier talent. So the Yankees, they, you know, they've had a lot of their prospects reach the majors and traded some others, but they still have a solid system with young guys who they can package in a trade. Any chance you see the Yankees maybe using some of their youth to go after a Kluber, a Carrasco, or maybe even a James Paxton? Yeah, I, I do. I think that everything is on the table, and it's not. There's two ways to improve your team. One is via the trade market. One's via free agency. And I think that the Yankees have to be on both those. And uh, if the Indians truly are uh, dangling those guys, you know, I think you can pretty easily build a package that uh, has some of the, the top prospects in the Yankee system. Look, if Brian Cashman calls the Indians and says. We are willing to give up Miguel Andujar and Aaron Hicks, and, um, and and we're going to talk about Carrasco or Kluber. I think that the Indians do not hang up the phone for that. Um, it probably wouldn't just be those two guys, but I, I, I think that that certainly is an attention grabber, and uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a possibility. And say you make that hypothetical trade, now you've suddenly opened up a spot at third base and a spot in the outfield, and guess what? There's two big free agents out there that you can go spend on, too. So, I don't know. I, I think that, that, obviously, when you go into this season with Severino, Tanaka, and now you've got Sabathia in that rotation, you've got to upgrade that. I mean, that was the one area they were really deficient last year. Uh, we, we saw that in spring training all along the way. You knew that they were going to have to help that starting pitching. They did by getting Jay Happ, and that, that made it more solid down the stretch, but they were really hurt by the fact Severino in the second half was not Severino from the first half. Um, I, I think that maybe if he can come back and, and be that ace-type guy, you don't have to bring in a guy and, and count on him to be your ace, but if you got a Patrick Corbin or Corey Kluber or Carrasco or, or James Paxton like you're talking about, now you, you've really closed the gap on Boston because they did lose that division by eight games. Uh, they, they were a 100-win team. They had the bad fortune of being there when Boston had a historic season and they got rewarded with the World Series title, but uh, you know, that's, that's the world they live in. And as I said, if Hal Steinbrenner wants to avoid that wild card game, starting pitch is the way to do it. So you have the Machados and the Harpers. Those names are going to be worn out. 
in terms of discussions until they finally oh, sign. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a feeling, but uh, we, I know Yankee fans. Um, but how about a, how about some dark horse candidates? You, you mentioned the infield need with Didi Hurd, a lefty bat like Daniel Murphy might come to mind. Any any possible targets outside the organization that you think um, the Yankees could make a surprise move by going and getting to shore up that infield? Yeah, I'll bounce one name off you. I think Marwin Gonzalez makes some sense for the Yankees. Uh, you can, he's a switch hitter. He can uh, bounce around to a bunch of different positions. And I know that down the stretch last year, they were a little too right-handed heavy. And uh, losing Gregorius hurts that. So I, I think that if you get a guy like that who can play second, short, third base, um, you know, bounce around a little bit, versatile hitter, um, switch hitter, as I said, um, you know, got that doubles power, can hit some home runs for you. I, I think that, that would be a good pickup. I I think as a fallback, you might bring back Neil Walker. Uh, you know, I think Neil Walker did everything you asked of him last year and um, started to adjust to that kind of reserve role. Um, certainly played better once the playing time got more consistent, so I, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, I, I think that it, certainly if you were going to go internally and just move Glaber Torres over to short and forget about the Machado thing, you keep Andohar at third, and then plug in one of those guys that I just mentioned at second base, or, I mean, you could even go with Tyler Wade or Ronald Torres, I suppose, to, to open the season, um, you know. Tyler Wade really impressed a lot of people in spring training, and it didn't translate into the regular season, but, um, I mean, this is a kid who really... I mean, people were talking about him the last couple of weeks of camp. I don't know what happened exactly. I know he was battling with illness, but I, I think he'll come into spring training ready to go and fighting for a spot on that team. And then you got first base between Luke Voigt and Greg Bird. I would expect Voigt will get first crack at that. But, you know, I, I think you could make a case that you could fill in the infield that way. Look, scoring runs is not going to be the Yankees' problem anyway. It wasn't in 2018. That's not the reason that they uh, – they went home without a World Series title. I really think that starting pitching is the key to the kingdom for this team. The bullpen should still be strong. So uh, if they're going to close the gap, I think starting pitching is the way to do it. Talking with Brian Hoke, the Yankees reporter for MLB.com, also wrote the Baby Bombers, which gives you pretty much everything you need to know about the young Yankees who are who led them to a 100-win season this year. So you know, for people that haven't read the book, what, what would you consider maybe your most surprising revelation in terms of an interesting factoid maybe about one of the baby bombers? Wow, wow. They're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, keep in mind, it's been a little while since I wrote that book. But, uh, you know, it's been out for a year now. I think it came out in uh, March in spring training. But, and we're going to do a paperback version, too. So that's good. That'll be updated for 2019. I, I think that um, the one thought that comes to my mind is Luis Severino, who was kind of a late bloomer down there in Dominican. Um, you know, just a kid who was probably throwing 83, 84 miles an hour, not really opening a lot of eyes. And um, it, there's down there in the Dominican, it's a different world. They've got these uh, kind of agents called Buscones who go around looking for the next lottery ticket and trying to cash in on the next player who might sign a pro contract. And Severino wasn't drawing interest from any of these guys. He finally got hooked up with somebody who helped him go to a workout camp and was throwing long toss with him and uh, kind of built that arm strength. And all of a sudden, he starts going from 83, 84 to 90, 91, 92. And um, the Yankees give him a tryout. He 
he's down there on a chain link field and just throwing gas. And it was a nasty break on the slider. Hey, he didn't have much of a change up then, and I, I think that's still a work in progress for him. But you can see the tools were there, a fastball and a slider. And I was talking to uh, one of the talent evaluators who was there, Donnie Rowland, who heads up their international scouting department. He was there in the dugout watching this kid, and uh, Severino was sick as a dog. He had the flu, or he ate something bad, or whatever it was, but he's facing these hitters, he's striking them out the side, you know, strike one, strike two, strike three, sit down, coming back to the dugout, he's throwing up in the dugout, and it's kind of gross, but, uh, and then just, you know, battling, going back out there, fighting, um, keeps pitching inning after inning, even though he's obviously weak and diminished and uh, just kind of throwing his guts up out here in the dugout. And uh, they signed the contract right there in the dugout that day. They said, this guy's a gamer. He's a competitor. He should be a Yankee. Uh, you know, Severino grew up uh, wearing a Yankee hat around. The Rockies were in on him, and he, he almost went to the Colorado Rockies. But uh, that, that performance, the one where he was sick with food poisoning or whatever it was, uh, that that made Luis Severino a Yankee, and so I thought that was a cool story to, to kind of get that from both perspectives. And uh, there's a bunch of bunch of stories like that sprinkled throughout the book. They are. It's a great read, and I'd say that Severino story turned out pretty well for the Yankees. But Brian, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Everyone, follow Brian on Twitter this winter for all the Yankee rumors that are sure to be swirling around. Thanks again, Brian. You got it, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. All right, another big thanks to Brian Hoke. Been the Yankees beat reporter for MLB.com since 2007, so since the since the Joe Torre era. And I've, as always, he had great stuff. He's a must-follow on Twitter, especially with the GM meetings coming up. And and Kyle, you talked about how you think the Yankees should go after a pitcher like Kluber, despite his age. And and right there, Brian Hoke brings up a situation where the Yankees would probably have to package guys like Miguel Andujar and Aaron Hicks, and how you know, that package might open things up for a couple free agent signings like a Machado or a Harper. Obviously, that's a drastic scenario, but one that's certainly possible. So you want Kluber. Are you willing to part with a guy like Andujar or Aaron Hicks, who both were, you know, so valuable to the Yankees last year? Yeah, I was probably as high on Andujar as anybody else during last season. And for a while, when Judge was out with his injury, Andujar was probably our best hitter for a good two months during the summer. Um, but to get an ace like Kluber on the staff, I I definitely have to agree with letting Andujar go to try to trade for Kluber, and even a Hicks. You know, we um, the outfield is going to be set. Anyway, we obviously Judge is back, Stanton. We signed Gardner again, and um, and like you said, even if we did get rid of Andujar, that could open up the door for Machado, and um, that definitely can't hurt if you're going to sign someone like Machado to just slide him right in there where the hole was from Andujar. And like Brian Hoke said, he wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees signed one of the Harper-Machado combo. He wouldn't be surprised if they signed both, and he wouldn't be surprised if they signed neither, and that's just the nature of free agency. The Yankees could come in and surprise you at any moment. I'd look no further than last year when they went and grabbed Giancarlo Stanton. But let's say... Like we talked about with Brian, let's say that they don't make a big splash and they need some kind of under-the-radar free agent. Brian Hoke mentioned Marwin Gonzalez of the Astros. 
and Sean last week on the podcast, he's been real high on bringing in Daniel Murphy, a lefty bat that can play the infield and uh, move Torres from second to short. So, you know, if you're Brian Cashman, are you more focused on getting, you know, folk really focusing on the starting pitching and maybe making a temporary fix in the infield until Didi comes back like a Daniel Murphy or a Marwin Gonzalez or bringing even bringing back a Neil Walker? Or do you realize that, you know, you have a free agent on the market, a, a generational talent in Manny Machado, and you just go for him anyway and hope that he's willing to play third base when Didi comes back? I definitely would go the route of going after the starting pitching. And then if you do go get a bat, someone like Daniel Murphy, that you're not going to have to pay as much. That can't hurt to have another lefty in the lineup, the short porch in right field. And, um, and so if you look at someone like Harper, the amount of money they'd have to pay him, and I know this was just last season. He batted 249 last season. And one of the biggest problems I had with the Yankees lineup recently is you do see a lot of strikeouts. You saw it from Stanton. Struck out 211 times last season. Harper struck out 169. And for that amount of money, I'm just not sure it's worth going after him when you just could sign someone that's serviceable like Daniel Murphy. That's, that's fair. I mean, the, the strikeouts are just a part of the game now, you know, for better or worse, but you know I, the stand strikeouts. I, I would hope for that to go down because that was a significant uptick from his last season in Miami when he won the MVP. And, and I think about a guy like Alex Rodriguez in 2014. He, I believe, he matched his career high in strikeouts up to that point in 2004, his first year with the Yankees. And you know, let's face it, coming to the Bronx takes takes a big adjustment and. You know, after having a full off season in New York to prepare for the upcoming season, A Rod comes back in 2005, has a monster season, hits 47 home runs, and wins the MVP. So, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if Stanton's strikeouts go down in 2019, and he has another monster year. And the funny thing is, everyone was up in arms about his first year in New York and the strikeouts, and then you look at his numbers, and he actually had an OPS plus of almost 125. He was a productive hitter, just to Stanton standards, it wasn't exactly the case, and that's kind of exactly what happened to A-Rod in 2004, so you hope Stanton can bounce back, and in in terms of Harper and the batting average, you know, I'm, I'm not too concerned about, about the batting average. He did hit 34 home runs, and, and he's only 26 years old, and everyone just thinks back to, oh, 2015 was, you know, he had that huge monster year, but other than that, he's just been good, not great, but you also have to remember, think about a guy like Curtis Granderson who came over from Detroit who just seemed like a good hitter, but then you put that lefty bat in Yankee Stadium and boom, all of a sudden Granderson's hitting 40-plus home runs and becoming one of the most productive hitters in the league. And I, I personally wouldn't be surprised if that would be Harper's route if he came to New York. I think, like you said, the concern is the money. Uh, Harper just turned down a $10 million a uh, 10-year, $300 million contract from the Nationals, which didn't have any opt-outs, so maybe that had something in play. But, you know, listening to Harper's agent, it sounds like he might want something like 14-year deal, and that's where you get a little skeptical. But personally, I wouldn't mind Harper because of the guy, because of guys like Granderson who have turned that lefty swing into a hitter's dream at Yankee Stadium. And that is one of the reasons why I said I would want Murphy. Um, but like you said, yeah, the money with Harper seems a little ridiculous right now. And the Yankees, they've been planning for this offseason for a couple of years now. And um, I, I just wouldn't want to see them give that kind of money to Harper 
where we we just need so many other things. We we need at least one or two starters that um, we'd want to see them go after, like a Paxton or a Carrasco, if you don't trade for Kluber. Um, so I just I don't think Harper's worth the money that he's going to be asking for. When like we said, there there is a couple of options, maybe players who aren't as talented as Harper, but definitely people who can come in and at least make an impact right away. Okay, well, how about how about Machado? He's another guy that's going to command a similar contract, another generational talent, 25 years old. He has the track record of beating up on the AL East, especially the Red Sox. I think he showed this year that he can perform in the playoffs. I, I personally think that he could have easily been picked as NLCS MVP over Cody Bellinger, and um, that really could have gone either way. He's also shown that when he's taken away from Baltimore, where their analytics department is criminally behind in terms of you know, preparing and scouting reports and infield shifting, he's shown that he can be a much better defender with an organization that emphasizes those things. And it's also turning into an area of need because of the Didi injury. So do you throw that kind of money at Machado? Machado, I think, would probably be be more um, – I, I would say he's worth it compared to Harper because, like you said – but. Machado's probably something they're going to need more when you look at Didi's injury. They say he should be back around the All-Star break, but no one really knows exactly how he's going to come back from that, that um, or if that can turn out to be an even more long-term injury. Um, and then, like we said before, if we did end up dealing Andujar, then we're going to have to go out and get someone like Machado. So I, I do think – I mean, we have some money to spend now, so it's going to have to – we're going to have to – spend it on someone um but i i do think machado as of now would probably be a better option than harper i don't know if the yankees are suffering from some kind of aftershock of the 2013 offseason when the contracts of guys like ellsbury and, and mccann really didn't work out but you know I, sometimes i feel like the yankees forget that they are the yankees and they have this monstrous payroll and like you've said multiple times already they've been preparing for this offseason and resetting those luxury tax penalties for years now and you know part of me becomes a little concerned that maybe they start you know like Cashman said trying to win in a cost-effective manner you know that's what teams like the Rays do they they claw and and try to bring in underrated talent so they can eke out 90 wins in the AL East and, and get within a shot of the wild card the Yankees don't have to do that they are the Yankees they can spend money and you know you have one of the better free agent classes in recent memory and and personally I would be totally fine with them getting both Harper and Machado because for me you know the outfield it, it looks great on paper with Stanton and Judge but you also have to remember you know there's a DH slot in there and Stanton's going to have to DH sometimes especially because Judge is your regular right fielder and Stanton you know he he held his own in left field but there's still way more room to cover in left field at Yankee Stadium than there is in right field so you worry about his health he's had some injuries in the past and Gardner showed you know how much his production falls if he has to play a lot Aaron Hicks has had injury problems over the past few years you have no idea what to expect from Clint Frazier and Jacoby Ellsbury with their injury problems so you know the depth chart has three outfielders listed maybe four with Andrew McCutcheon if he's a route you want to go in terms of re-signing him but other than that the outfield I don't think is as much of a certainty as some people think so I personally wouldn't mind going after both Harper and Machado the Yankees have the means to sign both of them and make a big trade for a Kluber or a Carrasco and you know after seeing 
the Red Sox rack up the highest payroll in the majors and win the World Series going away, if you're the Yankees, I don't see why you don't hesitate to do the same. And like you said, they definitely can do it, but it's a little bit different now than when George Steinbrenner, he would do anything he can't, he, anything, he'd spend whatever he had to um, if he was around now with, with these kind of players. But like you said, that that's would be almost a dream scenario to get all three. If, if you talk about Harper and Machado and then trade for a Kluber, um, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but if you do, that's, seems like a World Series roster, just looking at it on paper. It doesn't, and we'll see if that roster starts to take shape in the coming weeks as we're running out of time here on episode 18. And my first one with a different host other than Sean, this kind of feels like when, you know, <laughs> potentially when Wally Pipp took took a seat back in the uh, back in the 20s and a young Lou Gehrig stepped in to play first base in 2,130 games later, he finally took a seat again. So who knows, maybe you're taking over the regular uh, co-host role and maybe Sean getting married and going on his honeymoon turns out to be a costly mistake yeah for first of all congratulations to Sean I didn't, didn't get a chance to say that yet and um shout out to Sean thanks for the chef autograph card and um yeah I'm on my way to be on my way to being the next uh Mike Francesa well don't be too much like Mike Francesa he's uh he's kind of an ass nowadays and uh and he he has less than 800 uh subscribers to <laughs> oh man all right well it was uh it was good having you on and maybe we'll have you on again maybe we can do um a three-way podcast with all three of the chichester siblings sometime in the, in the future but until then thanks everyone for listening thanks kyle for joining me and thanks to brian hoke for joining us great stuff as always and we'll be sure to hunt down the next guest on the bomber brothers podcast and we'll see everybody next week with uh potentially Sean back in the fold. He's in London right now on his honeymoon, maybe scouting the uh, field where the Yankees and Red Sox are going to play next June out in London. But until next week, we'll see everybody later. Mm -hmm.